The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is our monthly coaching call, and this is provided to you through the Institute of Responsible Wealth. And this is Frank Congelos, your host. It's a pleasure to be with all of you listening to us this month. Our guest this month is one of our partners over at CNA Financial Group, David Suki. David, welcome to the program. Thanks, Frank. Always a pleasure to be here with you. So, Dave, you know, you and I visit with clients all the time. We coach advisors about different topics of finance. And, you know, it always comes down to there's certain key ingredients to financial success. And then there's one of those key ingredients that sometimes I think gets a, a little bit ignored, and that's the fact that cash flow is really the key to almost anything that we do in our lifestyle as it relates to finances. So what I thought we'd spend a little time on cash flow today is maybe talking a little bit about how we view it, um, how it's perceived in the financial picture, and then also some of the key perspectives on how do we protect it once we understand how important it is. So I know, Dave, when you're visiting with clients and so forth, you know, what is the feedback often that you get around the terms of cash flow? I mean, is it something they're thinking about or is their primary focus when they're thinking in terms of their financial picture? Um, how do I increase my net worth? So what are you yeah, seeing? Yeah, so um, it, it depends, Frank, and it, it depends on where they're at in their life cycle in terms of their wealth, right? So um, young people that we visit with tend to, to just want to see a bigger future, so there's trying to accumulate wealth and they don't really think about cash flow in terms of like what it provides for me today but they they think about it like what what could it mean for me tomorrow how much you mentioned net worth how much do i have here's the question you get asked right frank how much do i have to save to make sure i can retire one day right or or to educate my children yeah. right um and yet the key ingredient to all of that is the cash flow they currently have and how they're managing it right and whether they're managing it, you know, efficiently or not. And, you know, you've done this long enough. You, you, I'm sure, see a similar story that's going on. Well, you know, what my perspective is is that when people perceive cash flow to be an automatic um, and it's not something that they realize of how significant it is and how meaningful it really means to them, when a life event occurs, uh, that's when all of a sudden it's like, oh, boy, we're in trouble because, you know, whether somebody gets laid off or they get sick or hurt, or, you know, as interesting as, you know, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen, you know, a lot of people on strike and so forth with mm. the Verizon, yep. you know, and it's interesting as, you know, the, those poor people out there, when they're out there doing that and they're not working, their cash flow is stopped. Yep. And it's one of those of, you know, you look at that and you go, it's like, all right, well, the average person, how long could they go without a paycheck before it, it becomes like real serious, you know, yep. that, and so when I think in terms of cash flow, I think sometimes we take it for granted that it's like it's always going to be there, everything's always going to be perfect. And then even when we get to someone on the second side, you know, because I always say you're in one of two phases of life, you're in accumulation or distribution. So when I get someone who's on the distribution side of life, okay, that cash flow is a constant worry for many because they think in terms of the biggest concern of a retired person is I don't want to run out of money. I don't want to be dependent upon my kids. I don't want to be, you know, and so it's a big concern. Yeah. You know, Frank, we use an analogy, you know, how long can you hold your breath? Uh, Well, I'm a little out of weight, so I can't hold it as long as I used to be able to hold it. (laughs) 
But it, it, it's interesting because, you know, it, it, without cash flow, how long can you hold your financial breath for? Now, your balance sheet may allow you to hold it for a period of time, but eventually you're out. You know, it's game over. And that's the same thing, you know, um, with, with you know, lack of oxygen for us as human beings. So it's the oxygen to our financial lives. And typically, and we've, we, mis- we visit with a lot of business owners, typically the ones that are most successful are talking about how successful they feel about their current cash flow. They may not be, their business may not be worth a lot in terms of a saleable item, or it may be worth a lot, but typically their mood and their attitudes based on how well their cash flow is, is in their current cycle that they're in. David, it's a great perspective. And, you know, you said something uh, with regard to, you know, people saving for retirement, things of that nature. And one of the things that I've observed in my many years of doing this is, is that sometimes when we save incorrectly, when cash flow hits a blip, it's how we automatically end up in debt. So as an example, an automatic mm-hmm. for people is they start saving. The first move typically of savings for some people is they start saving for retirement. So they start maxing out and putting in 401ks, mm-hmm. things of that mm-hmm. nature. They never have an emergency fund. So what happens is, is all of a sudden when that short-term blip shows up, whether it be you know, they got laid off, sure. something happened, and they're stressed for cash flow. Next thing you know is they're in credit card debt. They're borrowing because they can't access money that's due out 30, 40 years or whatever the case might be. Or if they're accessing it, they're accessing it subject to taxes and penalties. So all of a sudden it gets to be very expensive. So that not perceiving that cash flow is critical and that we have to plan around it. We have to plan for you know, the emergencies, and if there's a short-term hiccup, yeah. and then we have to plan for those life events. Right, Frank, so we talk we talk in the context of, you know, short-term, mid-term, long-term, right? So if you had a, had a, a glass in front of you or, or a bucket, if you want to visualize it, that you need to first fill up the short-term bucket, and we talk, right, six months of reserves, you know, and that's hard for some people when they say, well, what do you mean I'm going to stop putting money in my 401k and give up my match so that I can put money in the bank and earn little to no interest on it? And the answer to that question is yes, because the, the avoidance of maybe a future loss could be substantially greater than what that money in the 401k would provide for them if they just took a step out for a year, got that short-term money saved, and then went back to that longer-term vision you know, or plan. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there's uh, one of the uh, gentlemen who uh, helped to develop one of the platforms that we utilize for our clients, the living balance sheet. His name is Bob Ball. And Bob has a saying. He goes, you know, you can't really plan for tomorrow until you know that today is taken care of. And yet the automatic yeah. for most people when they think in terms of planning is I want to plan for tomorrow, but they haven't taken care of today. And if we don't make sure that we're okay today with proper emergency funds, with making sure cash flow is protected, tomorrow may never get here, or something happened today could destroy our plans for tomorrow. Yep. So with that in mind, let's just talk about a couple of the key perspectives. Dave, what are you telling clients as it relates to how to protect their cash flow during what I call the accumulation? So in other words, I always say, again, you're either in accumulation or distribution you know, in life, and some people get in transition at one point, which is as they're getting like within the last few years, they're kind of accumulating but getting ready for distribution. So, you know, what would you be telling people during the accumulation side that they should be doing to protect cash flow? Yeah. Well, Frank, if if we are the people that create our own cash flow, right, like we show up every day to work, 
We generate a paycheck, okay? We're the asset, so we've, you've written about this. What is your greatest asset? It's us. It's you. It's your ability to earn income over, over your lifetime, right? So until you get to the point that other assets are great enough that they could provide the necessary cash flow for you to live, meaning whether you were showing up or not showing up, it was still coming in, okay? You need to protect your greatest asset, with it, which is you. So for people that have jobs, we're talking to them about what is their – you know what would the situation look like if they had a sickness or an injury, a life event that created a disability? One thing you taught me years ago: you can't out earn a disability. If you can't show up, you can't out earn what what in terms is. to recover from it. So you should have proper things in place in terms of whether it be group disability through work, personal disability you get outside your workplace. Okay, very important. You know what those options are. Okay, um, if you have a family and you're responsible for for you know their financial well-being. Frank, we spend time with clients on what life insurance should be in place, the, the actual amount. We discuss what is your human life value to your family, you know. So, so when you say that, because human life value for some people, they're like, what in the world what does is that, that? Mean? Yeah. So what, that, what we're really saying to someone is what's the replacement value of your cash flow? So in other words, if somebody earned $100,000 a year and something happened to them tomorrow – I need to replace that $100,000 a year to their family or at least give them the opportunity that I can replace it. Whether or not they want to have full replacement value Correct. or not is their call. But the right thing to do is you know, is you got to replace that income. It's bad enough you lose a loved one. The cash flow that was associated or came from that person, that, that could be devastating to a family. And I, I say it's, you know, you know, the book says, you know, responsible wealth is, you know, you can build wealth, but build it responsibly and make sure right. that you're you're taking right. these provisions of, you know, in the event you get sick or hurt, do you have something to replace your income? That's that disability, yeah. Dave, you just mentioned. Yeah. And then the life insurance aspect of that. And, Frank, we talk to clients about, you know, the emotional stress of, you know, you read stuff, it's better to never have had than to have had and lost. Right, so you've Good seen point. clients that show up that maybe went through a divorce or a sickness or their business went under and they had a certain amount of money and now they don't have it. And just the emotional strain of that, right, that, that's real. That's what happens. And as advisors, we have to, you know, make sure we're guiding people properly that they, you know, that they don't know what they don't know sometimes. So during accumulation, um, and just sum that up for all of our listeners, our top three for you are going to be have a great emergency fund. Yep. Great emergency fund would be your target should be at least six months of reserves that cover your expenses. Okay, 12 months is, you know, ideal. ideal. Yep. Six months should be your minimum. Make sure you have adequate disability protection between your group and your individual. And then the last one is make sure that you have, you know, adequate life insurance for those people that depend upon you. Now, if we went to the second phase, which is, you know, as we talk about, you know, uh, distribution. So now all of a sudden we got someone, they saved, they did everything they should do, and now we get them in distribution mode. What should we be doing for those people or giving them advice on how to protect their cash flow during their retirement years? And, you know, it's an interesting thing. We talk about this periodically. For some people, you may actually spend more time in retirement than in your working years. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, you know, if you started really in your career, say, at 30, and you went till age 65, you spent 35 years working, maybe 40. There are people that are 65, they go out, and all of a sudden, you know, they're 90, 95 mm -hmm. years old, and they're still clicking along just fine. You know, it's, it's I always tell the story of, you know, my son-in-law and his grandfather, you know, who's, I think he's 96 now. 
but I remember up until two years ago, he was actually bowling on you know one or two nights a week, right. and he still drives locally. Right. So it you know it's one of those of you know I remember uh, there used to be that comedian George Burns, and George yes. Burns used yes. to come out and he used to say, "If I didn't know how to live this long, I'd have taken better care yeah, of my right. body." <laughs> you know, so but we could be a long time in retirement. So let's talk just a little bit about a few of the highlights on how do we protect cash flow during well, retirement. Well, uh, and Frank, so you you bring up a great transition. We go from going to work, like people at work, to now assets at work in retirement. And how do you transfer this sum of money you've accumulated into a consistent paycheck so, you know, for the rest of your life? With, with, and we say, is that paycheck with certainty? It, it's, it's the source that it's coming from, you know, readily grounded and guaranteed, or is it uncertain? Because of you know, and you always uh, worry. You worry about it, and oh my God, I got to follow the the markets or the interest the bank's paying me, whatever the case may may be. So, it's a very important conversation, and in in order to plan for longevity, right? So you mentioned someone who may live thirty, thirty five years. Okay, we're going to dis- yeah, yeah. retirement, right? We're going to discuss the, the the opportunity of having guaranteed sources of income. So let's let's just highlight what are the guaranteed sources of income that someone may have during retirement. Yeah, might be well, the first one most of us see, but although you're a little older than me, Social Security, right? But that Correct. I still have a long time before yeah, I get I it. By do. the way, Dave, <laughs> I but know. Social Security is you know for most people that is the first guaranteed source. Yep. Um, next, maybe a pension, something that their company offered, or nowadays you know companies don't really offer pensions so, anymore for for employees. So that's a great perspective, Dave, and you know. Pension is different than 401k, and for a lot of listeners, they may not realize that there's a difference. Pension is uh, very common for government workers, teachers, policemen, things of that nature. And what that means is it's when they stop working, they get income for life afterwards. So they keep getting a paycheck every month. For those of us who have, because I don't necessarily have a pension, but for those of us who have like 401K and things of that nature, what we end up with is we get this lump sum of money that we've accumulated and perhaps we got a match somewhere or a company contribution. So we get this lump sum and then we've got to actually take care of that and turn it into some type of a pension for the rest of our life. Right. And so if we don't have a systematic way or a way to do that, we always worry about market returns. It went up, it went down. I take out more, I take out less. Where am I? But you know, there's a difference. But if you've got access to a pension, that's powerful, and it's got a lot of value. So it, it's interesting because the next step for people, if they want to create a pension, right, there are products in the world that were built, Frank, to create guaranteed sources of income, Okay. Annuities are an example of that, right? Life insurance companies offer annuities to people um, all the time. There's a difference between building wealth in an annuity and having money placed in an annuity when you're retired and having it pay you a guaranteed source of income. So, Dave, what you said there is one of the keys, which is annuities get a lot of bad press. And the reason why they get the bad press is, generally speaking, they're not great accumulation vehicles. Right. So if you're using it for accumulation, you might be using it for the wrong purpose. Yep. And the reason being is because if there's internal costs and fees that eat up the return. Mm-hmm. However, from a distribution side, it happens to be one of the best distribution strategies because it does provide that guaranteed income. So if we're concerned about you know, outliving your money, things of that nature, annuities are one of the few areas that have that guaranteed source of income. 
And one of the key things you know that we look at is is once we have those guaranteed sources of income, it's important to have what I refer to as free capital. Right. So, Dave, you want to maybe take a minute on the free capital, you know, yeah. as far as how we view that? Yeah. So, so you you brought up about this sum of money that we have, and Frank, if it has to stay in place for it to produce a certain amount of income a year, that's not free capital. That capital is not free, okay. because if I go into it and use it. It, it has an effect. The effect is I have less income maybe the next year, right? So I've locked out of that money really throughout my retirement. I call it money under the glass table. You look at it. Yep. You think it's nice. You worry about it, but you're afraid to touch it because you don't want to run out. Yep. And, and it, it, for people to get an idea of that, it's almost like, you know, if this money's in place and it's providing a certain income stream every year, are you willing to take less income in future years by touching the principle of the money. And most aren't, Frank. Most, as you said, because of the concern of, first of all, we have the first concern you mentioned, which is longevity, living, outliving your money. We have another concern that's very popular, Frank, with people that are retired, and even my younger clients with their parents. They get sick. They need care. That is an expensive proposition in our country, right? It's that, you know, people say, well, the government will take care of me. Sure they will. Not until your money's gone. You gotta be broke. Right. Okay. Effectively. Or you have, effectively, <laughs> right? Whether you shifted money outside of your estate in one manner or another, but ultimately that capital may be exposed to that, so it's not free capital. It's a great point. So you know, Dave, one of the things because we only have a certain amount of time on our show is is that when I've got a married couple and we're talking about income for life, long term care uh, is relevant, and the reason yeah. why it's relevant is if if Mr. and Mrs. Smith have a certain amount of income and all of a sudden something happens to Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith and we need assets or income to go towards yeah. their care and care can be very expensive, it could devastate the lifestyle of the other healthy spouse Correct. or it could very much hinder the type of care that the other spouse needs. So long-term care during retirement, um, if you have, you know, I always say is you're in one of three places at retirement, either you're broke and you know, you're going to get whatever state money or federal money is available, but you're not going to have much of a quality of life. Or you're so wealthy that cash flow is just like you've got more than you could ever spend. Yep. Uh, that's maybe 1% of the population. For that other group, uh, long-term care is relevant. And then the other one, you know, is, is that, you know, we also reference life insurance. And when we talk about life insurance, life insurance is a second bucket of money during retirement that helps to replace assets so that both spouses can maximize their retirement income and we can still plan for legacy. Yeah, uh, Frank, uh, absolutely. So for all of our listeners, uh, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This has been a production of the Institute of Responsible Wealth. And our guest today, David Suki, one of our partners over at CNA Financial Group. And this has been Frank Congelos. So for all of our listeners, we wish you a great month. We look forward to being with you next month. Have a wonderful day. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.